in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new live episode for a $10 and above patrons here of the top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. We are excited to have you guys uh, for another edition of the Top 10 Live. So thank you to everybody that joined us. And if you'd like to join us on these live shows, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10 and uh, join at the $10 tier and above. And you get to to meet up with us twice a month. Yeah. Um, and this time uh, this month, because I'll be out of town the last week of uh, the month we're doing our next live show next week. So please join us for that. We'd love to have you on back to back weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it'll be a lot of fun. It, it'll be a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> well, for those, uh, that don't want to hear basketball talk. Yeah. NBA talk, NBA talk. Cause today is the trade deadline as we're recording this and yes. there's cataclysmic shifts throughout Ooh. the entire landscape. I mean, uh, John's team just joined the fray. Hello. Uh, you guys have now made a couple trades. Crazy. And so if you don't want to hear basketball talk, go ahead and fast forward to the 20-ish minute mark. Probably 25 knowing us, but yeah, 20 to 25 so, minute mark. Yeah. And then we'll get into the actual list there. Yeah. Um, cause we, you know, if you don't want to sit through, you don't have any interest in basketball talk. I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> um, who are you people and what? Have well, you-, you know, listen, sports aren't for everybody. I guess. You know, it, yeah. as evidenced by uh, the the people that we know in our lives, I know quite a few that could give two shits That's about true. sports. That's a great point, actually. That's a great, and, great point. You in the movie world, I know quite a few people that don't care. Me, you, Makuga, yeah. and, uh, Ellis, a few others that love sports are kind of the exception on some level. Harloff a little bit, depending yeah. on what day you catch him. And yeah, yeah. Doing Snyder, well. JTE. JTE, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Jay. Jay, Winston A. Certainly, mm-hmm. certainly the possibilities abound. But yeah, the NBA trade line, trade deadline is happening. And man, oh man, dude, I, I, I've, I've, I've been working all morning on stuff. So I haven't even seen the latest. And I just went to ESPN to see the Harden Simmons thing actually went down. Yes. I, the last I checked this morning before I jumped into my office and started editing the Jurassic World trailer and all this reaction, doing some uh, Geek Buddy stuff, um, was that Harden didn't want to ask for a trade because Damn. he didn't want to seem like a grousing guy who's asking – or a malcontent who's asking to leave yet another franchise, especially with all the hoopla that he made trying to get out of Houston to come to try to win a title with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And it's crazy, Matt, that we're one toe away from this being a completely different story if uh, the Nets defeat the Bucs. Sure. Do they have enough to go all the way and beat the Suns in the finals? I don't know. Uh, so crazy to think about how all this is happening now, uh, all because of one toe. And it's not Durant's fault in any way, shape, or form, but just saying how it could have changed. And now Harden is on his way to Philadelphia for uh, Simmons, this is is and I listened to Jackie McMullen talking with Simmons, and she said this is 
This would be a fantastic trade if it happened for the Nets. What do you think about this trade? Do you think this works for both teams? Uh, I mean, if Philly doesn't win a championship, they're sacrificing Simmons, Curry, two first rounders and a second rounder. The first rounder is this year and the yeah. Nets have the option to delay it until next year. And then it's 27 with protections that rolls over to 28 with the same protections that then would roll over if it doesn't, uh, relay to a second, two second rounders or something like that. Yeah. 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 But two potential firsts plus a younger guy under contract that'll be very tradable in a couple of years if you want to get off of him plus Seth Curry because it doesn't look like Joe Harris is coming back anytime soon. Right. And do you want to pay James Harden the five year supermax? When he already has a gut at 31 or 32, or whatever he is. <laughs> so he's going to be 35, 36. Yeah. Does Joel get sick and tired of watching James Harden just stand around when he doesn't have the ball on offense? Like yeah. it's a hell of a gamble. They get a championship out of it. It's all worth it. I mean, shout out to Daryl Morey because I mean, what a move here to essentially get so much out of this situation, getting Simmons, getting Curry, and he said two first-round draft picks going to Brooklyn. I mean, if they're now you have to wonder, well, no way Kyrie stays. No way. What does Kevin do now? Does he stick around and wait for this essential pseudo-rebuilding project here? Or do you think Simmons is enough to lure Kyrie back? And to be a more full-time player, to maybe get vaccinated, uh, and help the situation. Cause really, wow. now that you've handled Harden, Kyrie is the problem now. Yeah, I don't think Kyrie's getting vaccinated anytime soon. That's but insane it, to me. It was originally Kevin and Kyrie that wanted to go to Brooklyn together, and then James joined mm-hmm. them. So I could see them wanting to stay, cause you've got Curry now, who's a great yeah. shooter. Uh, Seth Curry's great, yeah. Yeah, he played really well for them. That is going to hurt the Sixers to not have him. Yeah. And Simmons, so long as he understands if you're not running the ball on a fast break on offense, we need you in the dunker spot because we have two other guys that can, you know, score from anywhere on the floor yeah. and that ain't you. Uh, but he gives them a hell of a punch on defense, which they desperately need. That's I mean, what how, yeah, sorry, sorry. Good. Well, I was going to say, how long until Simmons is ready to play? Right. Exactly. And, and look, Jackie McMullen said, this is a great situation for Simmons because he goes to Brooklyn. And they don't even need him to be the scorer. Yeah. They don't even need him to carry the offense. It's more like we need you to lock down our defense. Can you be the team player and essentially help us on defense, help to uh, jumpstart the defense, and that makes the difference, and then eventually figure out your role in the offensive system and then get your moments to shine because there will be games where he's – the leading scorer, possibly, or he's the guy getting multiple rebounds or multiple assists. Multiple rebounds and assists, I'll give you a leading scorer. There will be games. I'm just saying, there will be games. You know, maybe if you have KD Kevin Durant and Kyrie on your team, it's <laughs> not going to happen as often. I mean, well, look, uh, Steph Curry had 16 points the other night, 38% field goal shoot. So, I mean, you know, it can happen. Oh, yeah. Simmons maybe has 22 points and leads the team on a night. Totally. It definitely yeah, can happen. And Steph's been... Since uh, basically the start of the new year, he has been yeah. up and down, mostly down. It's been weird to watch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a crazy trade. I mean, they've been, they've been dancing around this with reports saying nothing. So it looks like Windhorse was right, right? The ESPN had battling analysts yeah. saying this trade is going to happen. And Woe just saying, I have no information that they're actually having this discussion. This was right. yesterday, two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
He, they didn't, didn't hit, apparent, according to ESPN, according to Windhorse and the other people at Woj, that they weren't having any, they hadn't even well, had any serious discussions that, yeah. until today. That's Woj on ESPN. And wow. then Windhorse, Windhorse on ESPN is saying, no, 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 no. They're having conversations. Oh, this has okay. gotten pretty far. So it's like, a, oh, looks like Windhorse wins this battle. <laughs> uh, and does that chap the ass of Woj? Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's a hell of a, I mean, this is one of the busiest trade deadlines. Finally. What about uh, this play-in tournament gives too many teams false hope? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Let, let me let me stop you for a second. James Petty, I know Liverpool is playing right now. I'm recording it. Do not tell me the score. I'm going to watch this thing in full after we're done recording all our top 10 stuff. So do not tell me the score. Thank you for joining. And look who's here, Matt. Look who decided to Oh, look at that. Us. Look who decided. Finally made it. <laughs> And she came on the opening basketball 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Congratulations. <laughs> Who's watching the baby? Damn it. Who is watching the baby? Um, anyway, yeah. So do you uh, like the addition of, uh, Christops? Is that what happened to us? I haven't even seen what happened to us. What's you our shipped what? out Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans for Christops Porzingis and then wow. sent Montrez Harold to Charlotte for Ish Smith. And I can't remember the other guy. Oh my God. Well, it's you have great. a log jam at Simmer center somewhat. Yeah. But isn't Ish Smith a downgrade from Denwitty? I feel like as far as backup point guards, Ish Smith is a little bit of a downgrade. I thought hey. you were going to tell me that uh, Beal got left or Beal got Nah, Beal's out for the rest of the season. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's going to have surgery and he's done for the season, which means he's signing his five year, $245 million supermax. And he's going to be with you guys for the foreseeable future. All right. Dinwiddie good. didn't seem to like uh, the teammates didn't seem to like Dinwiddie, so I'm not surprised he was traded. I just can't believe that that's the best Dallas could get for. Yeah. For well, as we here's more as we go to the the Wizards traded Aaron Holiday to the Suns, and then the Houston Rockets traded Daniel Thies to the Celtics, and Boston is sending Dennis Schroeder to the Rockets. Woof. Wow, and Houston. That's- Houston's Great. getting Innis Freedom and Bruno Fernando. I don't even know who those two guys are. So fuck. Interesting. Bruno Fernando is the long running joke. He's two years away from being two years away. <laughs> um, Porzingis though, man. Tice, Interesting. What? <sighs> Tice for Schroeder. What is Tice? Doesn't, doesn't Tice have like three years left on his contract? I thought the Celtics were trying to get to yeah. shed salary. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe contract, I want to say, was higher than Schroeder's. Maybe. I don't know. That's a weird one. What have we done, though? I mean, we took away our one of our leading scorers in Montrez Harrell. We took away Bertans, who's been a great star for us. And this past left? season, he's been okay. Nah, yeah, but what do we have left? Uh, Porzingis is a bunch of scrubs. Surrounded by a bunch of scrubs. I mean, you're building around this seemingly young core. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, if the, Dinwiddie had to go. And yeah. You wanted to shed Berton's contract. So I think that's a decent trade off for you. I mean, you're yeah, only yeah, going to yeah. get 50 games from Chris Dobbs that's every true. season. It, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, best case scenario is going to be like 65. You're well, never going to get anywhere near 82. Well, real quick. I mean, we didn't even t- spend so much time on the Sixers. Do you think this is a good move for the Sixers? Does, does this, oh, I'm sorry. The, uh, yeah, the, the Sixers does this, does Harden come to the team? With Embiid and with what they've got there and uh, make them a better team now with what they've sacrificed with Curry, uh, and even Andre Drummond, who I would take over Paul Millsap in a heartbeat. Do you, do you think this is a, do you think now the Sixers are the 
favorite in the East in this situation? And what's the bad blood here? Brooklyn versus Philadelphia. That's not that far away, Mike. No, I mean, well, there's already bad blood between the front offices with Joseph Tsai being pissed at Daryl Morey for the Hong Kong tweet from a couple of years ago. That's right. I forgot about that. That's yeah, because right. he makes yeah. his money in China. Um, China. So, yeah. yeah, it does not help him uh, yeah. if the league comes out. But, uh, it, look, it could be great. This is the best player that Joel's, Joel's ever played with, technically. Right, right. Although, I, I, I don't know, because – you know, basically you're just swapping out Curry for Harden. Well, that's a clear upgrade. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, look, him and Simmons went, were one, uh, uh, you know, ball bouncing off the rim away from getting to the finals. So if he was able to do that with Simmons, Harden is definitely an upgrade over Simmons. Maybe not on the defensive side, but certainly on the offensive side. So are they a better team now to maybe yeah. get to the finals? So that's a great question. What is their defense going to look like? After this, because yeah. Harden is not known for his defense in the slightest. No. And he olays dudes, uh, still to this day. And now he's, yeah, he's just, uh, he's a step slower. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question because he doesn't move off ball. So he's going to be standing around watching everybody else do whatever they're going to do when, so that, I mean, it reduces somewhat of the fluidity of the actions and sets that you're going to be able to run. Right. Um, but I think Doc can be a superstar whisperer. And potentially talk him into certain aspects of it. But with James Harden, you get what you get with him. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you're also, once you sign him to that max, like this is your team for the next few years. You have indeed Tobias Harris, who's still there. Yeah. Matisse Tebow, James Harden and Tyrese Maxey. That's your starting five. That is not a threatening starting five, in my opinion. Well, I mean, Thibault gives you excellent defense and occasional buckets, but excellent defense. Yeah. Fair. Tobias now will be third banana, which I think is an excellent role for Tobias. That's true. That's a- as opposed to second banana currently. Um, will James basically recognize that this is Joel's team? I'd assume so because he showed up to Brooklyn knowing that this was Durant's team. Yeah, true. And, and, and from all accounts, he was apparently the adult in the room too. Apparently yeah. Kyrie and KD were mercurial, for lack of a better term. And it was Durant who was having to be the uh, – the uh, veteran leader on the team, even though this was supposedly Kevin Durant's team. So could he come there and kind of calm things down, kind of get him be focused again? And look, I mean, look what um Giannis was able to do last year with Middleton, who wasn't always the most consistent second. They were able to get to a finals and win it. So if you get Embiid into Giannis' mindset, Giannis' mindset, and you have James Harden instead of Chris Middleton, this could be a whole different situation. And Tobias providing what he can provide here. This could potentially help them definitely get into the next level here and get into the finals. Yeah. Or at least possible. the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the East is wide open right now. It's anybody's mm-hmm. to take. There's only a couple games separating the large chunk of the top tier teams. Oh, and the Bulls are still in it. Yeah. Yeah. Beat the, the Hornets last night. I watched uh, the second half of that game. It was a thing of beauty. Crazy. And we're dealing with injuries. We've COVID hit us hardest and we're still putting along. Uh, the, the biggest fear is Miami just because they've had injuries and guys out galore and they're number one. I mean, they haven't been fully healthy for that many games in, in its entirety this season and they're number one. So yeah, crazy. Philly should have their sights set on Miami. And if they can topple Miami, then that's 
the real discussion. Uh, but I don't know who's going to win these. Does this tip the scales in 76ers favor? Quite possibly. Yeah. I want to see how this integrates. I think it's an easier integration with Simmons and Curry into Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, but we also don't know the timeline of when Simmons is going to be back. I might be getting the NBA league pass now to watch these teams now. Now yeah. to see this ever after, after this, this, this looks insane, bro. And do yeah. you think, oh, it looks like there will be, they're reporting right now as we're recording this, uh, that there will be no last minute trade between the Lakers and, uh, Houston for John Wall. So they're stuck with Russell for the rest. This is such a massive mistake. Why? You're sinking your season. You might well, as well take the chance, man. I, I mean, it comes down to LeBron and AD saying we have a better chance with John Wall than we do with Russell Westbrook. And I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, but it's not going to uh, happen. It looks like it's yeah. not going to happen. So. Well, it's also Houston was like, if you want to do this, we also want your 27 first rounder. <laughs> Which means they didn't have another available twenty a first rounder until twenty nine, right? Wow! And it's like, oh, exactly. It's like, well, what? What are we fucking doing here? <laughs> um, have if they wait till the off season this year, then they can trade their twenty nine yeah. and may, hold on to their twenty seven. But still, it's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, the the Lakers are who the Lakers are at this point. I mean, there's still the buyout market, right. so there'll be guys floating around there. But yeah. with all these trades being made, uh, there's not going to be too many on this buyout market. Yeah. Uh, there'll still be some, but like Dragic got traded and that was a potential buyout. Yeah. That they don't have access to anymore. Where is he at now? Uh, uh, Dragic went to, uh, son of a bitch. I can't remember. There's been so many trades today. Yeah, sorry. According to what I'm seeing here, the San Antonio Spurs who are trading for Dragic are expected to negotiate a contract buyout with Dragic. And then he's supposed to be interested once he becomes a free agent in Dallas, Milwaukee, Mavs. Chicago, or the Clippers. Yeah, you think Mavs? Yeah, I think the Mavs. Okay. He's buddies with Doncic. They could use him. He'll get extra playing time. I think right. the Mavs. Yeah. Uh, Thad Young went to Toronto. That's a good one. Um, okay. I mean, there's so many. There's been so many moves. Let's see. The Suns shipped out Jalen Smith, and they're bringing back Tory Craig. Mm. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to do all this off the top of my head. I can just pull up. Yeah, but I mean, it's been nonstop. I'm getting, you know, yeah. texts. I feel like mini Woj. <laughs> Well, people keep texting me, hey, what do you think of this trade? Did my team make an upgrade? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I, I don't know. This is – some of them it's clear. It's like this is good for you and others this sucks for you. Yeah. And some it's just like this is a lateral move. I don't know that this really helps you. It's like the Schroeder for uh, Daniel Tice. It's like I, I, yeah. Tice is a fan favorite, but Brad Stevens seems to be falling into the trap that Doc Rivers used to do. Be like, well, you – Either played for me really well or played against me really well, so I'll bring you in. Just like I, I'm not sure about this, but okay. But your boy, your boy stood pat. They didn't do anything. They're happy. Yeah, I'm happy. I, I didn't want them to do a damn thing. Yeah, fair enough. Well, it would have been Pat Williams, and he's our, you know, it, yeah, he's plug and play when we get him back. It may not be this season, but going forward, we have the bulk of this team under contract. So it's like, why, yeah, why rock the boat? Why give up? Someone who could be better than anything we're going to get. I'm surprised that Jeremy Grant, Eric Gordon haven't been moved. Yeah. Uh, is this a, is this a sneaky good trade? The Bucks picking up Ibaka here. Um, 
like kind of maybe sliding into that spot that he, what's his face had last year? PJ Tucker? Yeah. Maybe the PJ maybe? Tucker slot. Maybe. I mean, this guy's I mean, PJ could guard more people. That's true. But Baca uh, has experience at all levels. So of the playoffs. Yeah, and so DiVincenzo became expendable when Pat started playing so well mm-hmm. and the douche Allen, Grayson Allen has been oh, playing yeah. really well. Yeah. They're talking about signing him. To Ooh. an extension, give him wow. like two to three year. I, uh, that dude is the worst. Uh, it just it's, makes the Bucks go from a team that everybody can get behind to if you have an asshole like this, I don't like you anymore. Is he the biggest Duke asshole ever? Is he, I feel like he might. Gotta be. It's gotta be, right? Gotta be. I mean, cause other dudes like JJ Reddick was hated. Oh, right. Right. He was. He, I mean, yeah. in college, Reddick was probably the more hated. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, but once he got to the pros, it's just like, you know what? He does what he does, and he does it really well. Right. Grayson is still a child. Yeah. Um, after all these years, it's one thing when you're 18 doing it, but it's another when you're 24. Do you think the Indiana Pacers um, sneakily got better here with Buddy Heald and, and Halliburton? I mean, Tristan's – Tristan, you just, I don't know what you – you know. I guess you slide Miles Turner now back into the center spot so he's happier, but. Oh yeah, he's happier with that. Tristan's an expiring, so they get off that money. Yeah. Buddy Heald, they'll I, trade. I like the Buddy Heald situation for Indiana. I mean, that guy lives and breathes basketball and Indiana basketball. This might revitalize Heald. Not that he wasn't playing great. I mean, he's the third, he's ranked third, I think, at three pointers over the last few years. So he's going to be great for Indiana if they keep him and he might I, get reborn in, in wanting to be part of that team. I don't know. I would imagine they trade him. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I was in, now. what's that? Yeah. And the offseason, unless they flip him today, I assume they were going to flip him today because there was interest in him from right. a number of contending teams before the season started. So mm-hmm. I figure at his price point two twenty some odd million, I think it's 22. Yeah. Um, that's a tradable contract, especially for what he does. So I think in the offseason, Indiana can shed that salary and get even younger. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I guess the Kings really love Sabonis. Because that's the only reason this makes sense. I, I would have traded Fox, but I don't think there was a market for Fox. No. Davion Mitchell, I think the rest of the roster to me, yeah. save Tyrese Halliburton, was up for grabs. And they oh. traded the one guy that I didn't think they should really trade. But, you know, it's one thing to be like, well, who am I? But the, the Kings have a track record for making the worst possible decision every time a decision is asked of them. So I'm going to stand firm in saying you should have fucking traded anybody else. They've got 40 power forwards now, uh, uh, Matt. What are they going to do here? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's the Kings. I have no fucking clue what they're going to do. I mean, there was no mar- market for a Fox, so this is now Fox's team. Right. But Halliburton looks like a stud who could help you win a championship. Here's our starting five. <laughs> Raul Neto, Corey Kispert, KCP, Kuzma, and Porzingis. Right now, but then you plug in Brad Beal. Kuzma's played well for you guys. I know, I know. And Porzingis, in, you know, it's 50 games-ish that he plays, 55. But I'll be telling you, I'm telling you the honest truth. I don't think this – Unsell Jr. has been horrific for us over the last two months. I mean, the guy – I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, we're only a game and a half out of that 10 spot. And you said Beal's not coming back. I didn't know Beal's not coming back. I don't know why I hadn't heard that, but I didn't know he was coming back. Uh, he's done for the season. God damn it. He's having surgery on his wrist, I believe. And uh they're shutting him down for the rest of the year. 
and he is more than likely going to opt into or sign a five-year extension worth $245 million. Oh, so this was announced a couple of days ago. So it must have slipped under my radar. I just didn't even see it. I was looking through other things. God damn it. Yep, he holds a $36.4 million option for next season. Jesus Christ, 245. You think they're going to sign him to the 245? 100%. Wow. There's no question in my mind, if Beal is willing to stay there, they are going to throw the entire vault at him. Yeah. Why does he, why does he show such loyalty to, the team has done nothing for him, man. I mean, almost nothing. I don't understand the loyalty. I would push so hard to get the fuck out of there. Cause I don't think he's going to get, I don't think he's going to get 245 million from anybody else. That's why. Yeah, but at some point, money doesn't fucking matter, man. Go get the title. That's what matters. Being a legend on a crap team. I mean, how many Sacramento Kings on crap teams have gone on to be fucking Hall of Famers, man? I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't happen. If you're on a crap team, you're going to stay on a crap team forever, no matter how much you're respected. I mean, he will probably get in the Hall of Fame because, you know, everyone talks about Bradley Beal, but to not Maybe. even have a shot to get to an Eastern Conference Finals or to get to a Finals, I think it's such a, a, a loss for him to keep sticking around uh on a team like this. You know, And I'm saying that as a fan, for God's sakes. Yeah, but Bad he can always force his way out if he really wants to, even though that, that's not his style. But, no, it's not. He's, he's, yeah, he's a very loyal guy for whatever reason. <sighs> I don't know. I'm just, you know. Maybe he's point. just really jazzed about the commanders. <laughs> Shut up. He's got his luxury box. <laughs> I talked to Ellis, asked him about it, and he's like, you know, he, he's fully defending. Don't talk right, to man. Ellis about it. Ellis is an apologist for this team. I love him to pieces, Mark Ellis, but we are finding a division in our friendship for the first time ever. And his undying loyalty to this team is just beyond me. Beyond me. This, the new Dan Snyder accusations, none of that seems to stop him. Somehow he's created a divide between the owner and the team. And to me, that divide has never existed in the history of the, of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders. It's never existed for me. The owner is intrinsically tied to the team. So to me, especially an out there owner, right? Not like a quiet, subtle owner. That's a different situation. But an owner like Jack Ken Cook was a magnanimous, huge dude. Mm-hmm. Then we had his sons for a couple of years or three years. Then Danny comes in and Danny's just as big in a completely different way. Uh, and so to me, first, the commander's name sucks. Second yep. of all, more accusations have come out. And so I'm telling you right now, Matt, I am not cheering for this team for one second next season. Not, not kidding. Not for one second until he's done being the owner of that team. It's the it's, year you guys win a championship. It's fine. Go ahead. I've won, th- I've, I've lived through three of them from beginning to end. I had more than enough for as a fan of the team, but like this is, this is horrific, man. And Jonathan Callan and Allen coming out with that stupid text, a tweet that he won't have dinner with Hitler. Just, I mean, it just, it bleeds from the top down, the stupidity going on over there. And I don't care how many people of color or women they promote, there's still a shithole fucking franchise because the dude at the top corrupts and leaks his corruption all the way down. Take a flamethrower to this place, buddy. <laughs> just saying. I'm just saying. Um, all right. Any you more wanna... basketball talk? Nah, we, we could keep going, but we should start the show at some point. So. Okay. All right. Fine. Any, you know, any final words? Who do you think, uh, how about this? Who do you think, um, one so far today as we have 30 minutes still left, right? And the trade deadline, four o'clock. So who do you think? Uh, 
Well, I mean, might as well just focus on the biggest trade and we say who won between those two. Okay, I think sure. in the short term, the Sixers, the long term, the Nets. Oh, okay. But right. Sixers have a much better shot of winning a championship this year. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if I want to be saddled with that contract and lack of picks. Okay. Because you already lost all the picks for the Tobias Harris uh, right. trade right. and you don't really have much left in the coffers. Uh, and then that's, you're replenishing and you got younger. Yeah. So right. it very well could work out better for you. I want to see how CJ does on the Pelicans. I'm curious. Very, very curious. Yeah. I don't, that trade <laughs> don't understand, but okay. It's about from both sides. It's such an anticlimactic way to end that partnership. Uh, yeah. And so that's the best you could get for him was yeah. basically Josh Hart and a bunch of disparate parts that you're just going to ship out in other trades and get a bunch of second round picks that aren't okay. <laughs> We freed up cap space. Like, all right, what does that mean? It's a a load of bullshit. Talk to the Knicks about cap space and how yeah. the fact that they're New York and couldn't sign anybody. Good luck with cap space in Portland. Talk to the Celtics about cap space and pitch. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Cap space. The next we have a $21 million trade exception. Okay, when has that ever swung anybody's fucking championship odds? Those tor- Okay. Yeah. A bunch of those. They made so many moves that are just like, okay, fine. It makes no sense. Yeah. But anyway, uh, anyway, you ready to start today's show? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, All right. We're counting down the top 10 action movie sequences, according to us, according to our separate lists. And yeah. we determined this. There was no discussion about what should should not be included. It was just top 10 action movie sequences. And and why are we doing this, Matt? Do you remember? It was for Uncharted. Yeah. Uncharted. So there aren't not really soon. 10 good video game, you know, <laughs> movies. No, there aren't. And we've done way back when, like the worst video game movies. Oh, yeah. And that was a torture to do because personally I had to watch like two or three movies to fill out my list and what a monumental waste of time that was. <laughs> so we're trying to do something for Uncharted and we're like, well, what about our favorite just action scenes? Um, and we probably should have split the atom on that because yeah. we'll get I, I, I stopped after about a page and a half and I was yeah. like, I can't keep going because this is just getting to be a Herculean task of how the fuck do I winnow this down? Yeah. Um, so it's a lot to choose from. Hopefully we have 20 totally different options. Um, I doubt we're going to have fully different lists, but okay. I would imagine we're going to have quite a few. Okay. Uh, that's my hope. At least that way we're, you know, spreading the love around because there's a lot to choose from. There is, there is. I try to keep as many fight scenes off my list Me as too. possible. Uh, I didn't always succeed, but I tried. So it, there may be an element of fighting in the overall action sequence, but the sequence itself, I tried to keep it away from, from yeah. just being a straight up fight. Yeah. I technically have two fight scenes. Okay. Okay. And all the rest are, I was going for, I want big, like either set pieces or mm-hmm. huge action, like, uh, just not. Something like, uh, well, I don't want to say just in case it's on your list. Okay. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what we did. It was a, a tough list. At the very least saying going for bigger, uh, set pieces, whatnot, something more grandiose did yeah. kind of pare down the list of potentials a little bit. Although I, you know, obviously I just said I've got two different fight scenes on it. Uh, right. but right. for very specific reasons. Uh, anyway, so we set a topic. We go our ways. We show back up here. I got a list. He's got a list. We throw ours out, and then we combine the two at the end, and we make the shows. Boom. That's the show. Done. All right. What's your number 10, my man? Let's so get 10. I, 
I got to like eight, nine, ten. I was like, yeah. this is impossible. How do I right. select yeah. from all of these? Actually, most of this list was there were some no brainers because they were the first ones I thought of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's make my list. Let's make but the bottom half, like the bottom whatever, it was yeah. really difficult. So ten, I just threw on uh it's one of the two technically fight scenes. Okay. But in Lethal Weapon Two, when they go out of the uh hotel room and they go into the pool. Oh yes, because that's a legitimate oh, stunt. Those are real people doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a fear of death that actually could have happened in yeah. that that entire scene. So I was like, you know what? For that, it's not just a simple fight scene. Yeah, they actually go careening out through glass. Uh, now it could be that sugar glass stuff. It's not real glass or something. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's, yeah. that being said, they still how, how many floors would you say that is? 10, 12? At least. Yeah. Exactly. That they go flying out to land into a pool. And it's not like landing in a pool is suddenly one of those big uh, blow up things that, uh, uh, you know, they, they stunt coordinators jump into. You can still hurt yourself really badly. Right. By falling into water from that type of height. If you land in the incorrect way, you can break stuff. You can, uh, you know, you can potentially kill yourself. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't even take into account if you missed and landed right. on the concrete. What could have happened? It might be, it might be long. It might be, uh, bigger than, tw- it might be higher than, than, than 10 stories. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I'm saying minimum 10 to 12. Yeah. 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 It's uh, a lot. it's a, it's a, that is really high up yeah. to also hit a very specific mark and you've got a big sheet over your face. Yeah. Because they go out through the curtain and they have to land. That's that one. It was that the first one where they land in the pool and they've got that and they're struggling to get out. No, of it. it's, I it's the say curtain. It's a, yeah, it's the curtain they take yeah. with them. Yeah. Um, and it's also two stunt men that are doing it, and not just one. It's just like wow, the the level of difficulty to pull this off for the spectacle that's going to last about ten seconds. Yeah, there, there it is. Go. There it is. We can we can play less than six seconds. So yeah, that's so it's about ten stories, I would say. Yeah, and then they fall. Into the water. So yeah, I think you're right. Uh, about 10. About 10. I thought it was going to be like 20, but it looks about 10 for me. So there you go. Yeah, I just wanted to find it to take a look at it because I remember that scene. Because I remember Danny being like super crazy. Oh, ah, oh. And then uh, Mel goes right out the window. Which- well, it was right after we got introduced to Leo Getz, Joe Pesci just yeah. crushing it. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. He's dead though, by the way. Yeah, I mean, if he falls, to- if Getz it falls that far into the water... In that body, gets is dead. Let's just put that clearly. Yeah. No offense to Joe Pesci. No offense to Joe Pesci. Well, yeah, exactly. It takes somebody in peak physical shape. Yeah. Because you also need to land in a very specific way. Yeah. Because if that water is still, then <sighs> on some level it's the same as landing on concrete if you don't yes, land the right way. Yeah. And uh, what's his face? Riggs is crazy, so you know he's in peak physical shape. Yeah, of course. In. This is nothing to him. Yeah. So, well, and especially like, a, you know, uh, Mel Gibson was still in his prime, physically yeah. speaking. Yeah. And that is on the tail end, but still in his prime. Yeah. Only. Well, I'm just saying as far as peak testosterone, whatever, because what, what do you think he was in that? Like 36, 35? Maybe. Yeah, that's what I, uh, maybe. Let me see here. Mel Gibson. Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2. So Mel Gibson is 
was born in 1956. So that's so if it's 86, he's 30. So Lethal Weapon oh. 87. So he's 31. 31. Okay. Or Lethal Weapon 2. Is, I'm sorry. Lethal Weapon 2 is 89. So he is 30, 32, 33, something like okay, that. 32, 33, somewhere. Yeah. All right. Well, still a couple years younger than I thought, but still, right? Still yeah. Still in his prime. Still in his prime. Still yeah. in his physical prime. Yeah. Jordan was still winning titles at 32 years old. So sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just because of the impossibility of choosing total a final one on there is like, you know what? That one, because it's got a real stunt, it's not just a simple hand to hand fight. Right, right, right. It's something memorable that I've, I've kept with me since, you know, uh, seeing it the first time. So I put that in my 10. Absolutely. All right. So what's your nine? Uh, my nine is the, uh, helicopter fight in Fallout. Oh, yes. Shh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put that as my eight. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, between the two of us, you're the bigger Ooh. Mission Possible fan. I couldn't pick one. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. That's, that's the thing. I was like, oh, well, there's that one on the plane. Mm-hmm. Where he's on the thinking, side of it. I was thinking the building when he's calling the building. That's sure. a really awesome action sequence, especially with the with the dust when the dust comes and the fight all through the dust and everything like that's pretty cool. But yeah, the helicopter scene is fucking incredible. So that's yeah, great, that's a great point. Yeah, and there's also that uh, the parachuting jump that yes. you do early on, and right. but the reason I chose helicopters, a, it's really cool. You have two helicopters flying around, but b, yeah. Tom Cruise is doing a lot of the flying. Yes, he is. Scenes. Yes, he is. Uh, that's what part of the, in my list, like, I'm going to reward the people that put their life on the line for the stupidity of making an action film. Uh, cause he also did the skydiving jumps as well. Right. Right. Um, and I looked it up. It's, it's three different jumps and they stitched together the one long continuous, but it's Tom Cruise doing it, which is the only reason. You would have in that type of jump because it's supposed to be a clandestine operation. You're not yeah. announcing what you're doing. Yeah. And yet he's got his face lit up, <laughs> which is only for movies. So I, so I, he was an Iron Man. He's like, can the mask come off while I'm fighting? No, Tom, that's, it's kind of an indelible part of the character. But little did he know how they were going to get around it with Dan because yeah. they shot his face multiple times. Exactly. From inside it or inside, yeah. when he's talking, it comes off, but then it yeah. goes back on during fighting and all that stuff. But just to see him lit up and that and be like, isn't this supposed to be like a Navy SEALs type jump where you're flying into behind enemy lines? You don't want to let the world know. But anyway, the helicopter, it is awesome. You got Henry Cavill hanging out the side, firing a ridiculous like Schwarzenegger Terminator 2 gun. Yeah. And he just firing at him. Say it. Tom Cruise is flying around and they eventually like crash and he's just saved on that ledge, whatnot. Just the, the stakes of it are so high. It's ridiculous and fantastic. Agree a hundred percent. I mean, I remember watching it and I was like, okay, so it was pretty obvious when the beginning Cavill was going to turn on him. Like that was so obvious, right? But then, um, I, the fight scene in the bathroom is incredible. It's great. And then you go forward and then when he finally turns, the ferocity of Cavill trying to get to Cruz, it is almost like some sort of unhinged beast that is coming after him. And that adds mm-hmm. to the element of the action sequence. And when he's kind of losing it and frustrated, and then they get onto the fight onto the ground and all that occurs there. So it's all connected and it's pretty incredible. And yeah, I mean, and, and it looks like those two guys, it looks like they came close to actually 
killing themselves doing this damn stunt or doing this damn sequence. So yeah, a hundred percent great stuff. Great stuff from Cavill too. Cause it's not yeah. easy to go toe to toe with Cruz and make it look like he could kick your ass when it looks very clear, like you could throw them all around the, all around the room. If you had to, do you think that the producers asked Cavill, do you want to be in the back of the other helicopter? I mean, Tom's flying his. <laughs> I'm sure they did. And I'm sure Henry was like, well, whatever's best for the film, but I'm not going to risk my life. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Henry's, uh, how can I say this? Henry's, uh, threshold is for doing that kind of stuff. I, I mean, you know, I, I think I would side with Henry that and be like, don't we have computers for this? Yeah. Right. What's the point? You know, what do I have to put myself through? I, I'll do it to a degree, but, uh, you know, Tom's next level here. That's fine. Yeah. Tom's got the little man complex. That's what he's always trying to prove himself in those kinds of situations. So that's what's crazy to me. <laughs> Fucking, he, riding the space, he's gonna ride in the space shuttle, I bet. Look, they're doing the, the. Yeah, they are. Elon Musk film, he's going into fucking space, for real. It's crazy. So. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'll be curious as to how much, what they actually film, how much they actually film up there. Yeah. And how much is, you know, on computers, but. Yeah. We'll see. I'm sure he's pushing very hard to be the first actor to shoot scenes in space. <laughs> Undoubtedly, he is pushing exceedingly hard for that. Make that reality come true. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a cruise, there's a way. Um, what's your eight? Uh, my eight is the battle for Edu on Rogue One. I thought about going. Oh, Edu's the, the battle, the, the actual battle. Okay, yeah, right, the right actual on. battle. Just because. Right on. You have the space battle going on. Yeah. Over top of plus what's going on in the ground. If you're saying, okay, you got to subdivide that for a specific action. I mm-hmm. think it's the space battle. Uh, cause quite simply hammerhead Corvette. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I, that scene. I mean, you could choose the Vader hallway scene at the end. Yeah, but it's so quick. It's quick. And it's also that's closer to just a simple, uh, hand to hand fight scene. Yeah. 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 There's and, no real action in that other than him just slicing people to pieces. There's no. Yeah. He's not in any way, in no way, shape or form is he threatened by anything that's happening. So it doesn't, you have to have the stakes, I think, there for it to be a really good action sequence. I agree. And also, you know, if it's going to be a fight to make my list, it needs to be a huge spectacle as a him. Right. And, and a scene we both agree is fantastic. And in my opinion, one of the best in Star Wars. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. But for a big, huge action sequence, I mean, by comparison, the other one, you had this huge land battle going on yeah. while simultaneously the people trying to steal the plans. And then the, you know, ships out in space, uh, in orbit of the planet, mm-hmm. trying to stay alive long enough to get those, those plans beamed up to them. So right. they have an answer for, Oh yeah, that massive battleship that is now on the horizon that is the size of a moon. And all this is going on simultaneously. Yeah. Uh, and it handles it. You know, very beautifully. You could give me the Return of the Jedi does the same thing. Yeah. Uh, towards the end there, there's a three part little action sequence. But if we want to winnow it down to one specifically, the, the battle up there in space, I think is pretty fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, we got a couple of that guys in here, Matt, right now. Joe Farrelly saying not to be that guy, but it's Scarif, not Oh, it's Scarif? Ah, I thought it was, what's, which was Edu? Alex what says, uh, Scarif is the planet. Edu was Galen's death where Galen Urso died. So we have. Uh, okay. No, it's good to know. Thank you. Yeah, Alex Russell saying, haha, we are those guys, Joe. So I love that. Yeah, there you go. 
Um, uh, yeah, agreed. Yeah, the Star Wars fans are always going to correct you. They love to correct you, but I that's love fine. It. It's great. It's great. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and and I love, love Star Wars fans. I can't wait to hear you correct me on my opinion of Boba Fett because it's probably incongruent to what the vast majority think. Uh, no, dude, it's a pretty divisive finale from what I've seen on online. Like I did not, I did not, I thought it was, I was disappointed by the finale, but there are other people I know who really liked it. So it, I think yeah. it's very divisive. Most people are lying to themselves. <laughs> what? You don't like spin moves in Star Wars? What? No, it's, uh, I was yeah. hoping they'd killed all those people. <laughs> I was, they started picking them off and I'm like, yes, 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 take them down. <laughs> oh, just the two name ones get to survive. Oh, well, the two name and then the dude in the trench coat with yeah, the pomade in his hair. Trench coat. It's got perfect quaffed hair. I love it's, how that guy. The, the, uh, the other guy who was there, the black guy is like perfectly cut hair, perfectly shit. Get the fuck out of here, man. I just, it's so ridiculous. Uh, on a it, desert, on a desert planet, planet. Yeah. That just, everybody lives in poverty except for the crime lords and these people are. Yeah. Not a fleck of dirt on them. Like this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, was the rancor part cool? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure it was. Yeah. But the, I mean, brightly colored. Mopeds. Motorcycle speeders in brightly colored leggings, brightly yeah. colored white. And going into an alley on a desert planet with snipers on the roof, could you make yourself a bigger target? It's just just dumb, dumb, dumb on so many levels. But anyway, uh, um, that's just a small so thing. frustrating. Yeah, very much so frustrating. The stupid space Vespas. <laughs> no, no, this can't fly anymore. I hate when people say this. I mean, it is star. It's kind of well. Then do everything. Do everything. Sure. Let me have a lightsaber come out of my ass. Just do everything then. I mean, because it's Star Wars and it's ridiculous and it should be ridiculous. That's not true. I mean, 1970, whatever, 77 when it first came out. We're in 2022. It's supposed to be better. And so to me, we have to get better every decade with a franchise um, and not keep saying, well, every time something stupid go, well, we saw it 30 years ago. And it's like, no, that's not. Yeah, you can you, know. you can do that for any entertainment property <laughs> if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. You can explain away its faults and be like, "Well, it is all make believe," and be like, "Yeah." Could I but- do the same thing with James Bond, Matt? Could, if James Bond starts sleeping with a bunch of women again, could I go, "Hey, it's James Bond. He's going to use them and toss them out. That's how it goes." Sorry, ladies, deal with it. I mean, I, that doesn't make any sense. You're supposed to advance, and that's the kind of way I look at it in my head. So. <laughs> Anyway, um, all right, so that was your 10, 9, and 8, right? Uh, that is correct. Okay. So then my 10 is the chariot race in Ben-Hur. Classic. Great choice. Classic. Yeah. I mean, that, listen, I love Ben-Hur pieces. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's a long epic. It's a biblical epic. Not everybody's the biggest fan. Or Shelton Heston's acting. Some people are not the biggest fan of it. And don't get me started on that terrible remake from a couple of years ago. But that being said, the chase scene, if you don't watch anything else, the chariot race scene, sorry, the chariot race scene is incredible. Just the build up to it, the animosity between, um, uh, Judah and Masala there and how it goes around and around. And those are all extras sitting in the crowd. That's an incredible thing at the time when you could fill a stadium like that, build it out in the desert and have people mm-hmm. show up and kind of fill it and, and shoot the sequence of go. And then all the drama that goes on. It's just, it's just a race. But so much happens in that race, uh, and so many emotions are going on, and the near deaths, the near uh, spills, and some of the spills, and people get run over by horses, run over by chariots. It's an incredible uh, action sequence that was very well directed when a lot of things probably could have gone wrong. 
Because back then, it's not like they had, they were covered everything. They were able to cover everything that it looked like. Oh yeah. Very dangerous in some sequences. Yeah. OSHA and, and animal rights activists and all that hadn't gotten their uh, rightful foothold yeah. in Hollywood yet. So I can't imagine how many horses died in the making oh, of God. that movie and every other movie. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, on top of tons of other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great choice. I'm glad you put it on. Uh, it made my side list of potentials. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I think it's got a good shot at making John, so I'm gonna leave it off because I <laughs> don't have the same affinity for the movie. Yeah, right, as I do. Yeah, well, as much as we want to include current stuff, I still want to, when we can, you know, put classic stuff up there as well. Uh, my number nine is the Hobbs and Shaw scene with the helicopter. Oh my god, that, is that the lasso sequence, the lasso. I, really I mean, the it. rock with the arms. I mean, you know, I know Chris Evans does it even better in the, in. The, Winter Soldier when he's holding the helicopter and holding onto the landing spot. Yes. I like, I like this sequence a lot. I think this sequence is great. I love the rocket riding on the back of a tow truck, Statham conducting, uh, directing things and the rock using that lasso to grab a helicopter out of thin air. The audacity, Matt, the audacity to think that this stunt would work and yet to pull it off the, or scene rather than to pull it off the way they did was just incredible to watch. And so since it's The Rock, since it's Statham, and I kind of like Hobbs and Shaw, I had to put it in here. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the best of the Furious that I've seen. Oh. That's not really saying much. Oh, fair, fair, fair. That's That scene is ridiculous. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. The only reason I saw it is because it was a weak summer and we had our best of summer list to do eventually. Oh, it's right. like, that's I got to right. fucking see this. I think it was the same summer as The Meg. Oh God, the Meg. Yeah, I saw that too. There was, I mean, it was a bad summer, if yeah. memory serves. So I was like, I, I gotta see this because right now we're getting to August and I've only got like six on this list. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the Meg. Jesus, it's so bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, great stuff. I really enjoy that, uh, that sequence and it's just see the rock. It's a cool action sequence. It is. Yeah, the helicopter down. Yeah. Cause then it leads to them going off the side and then having the fight with. Uh, Black Superman himself, Idris Elba, with his suit and everything. So it's yeah. a connected sequence that leads to a fight at the end there with all three of the leads against him and eventually subduing him and what have you. So, yeah, pretty cool shit. Um, all right, so then my number eight, we already said, which is the helicopter scene in Fallout. So what's your seven, dude? Uh, my seven is uh, – so it's from Interstellar. Ooh. And it's okay. after they wake Matt Damon up and he tries to kill oh. – McConaughey, but he jumps on the ship and they go back and he wants to, to reattach with the main ship to get the yeah. fuck out of there. And it's them chasing him down and eventually they have to make, match the same orb or not the same, but the same spin yeah. of the main ship. And just to build, to build, to build, they almost black out. And that's why you have a pilot, you know, in there as opposed to just all scientists. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And the tension and the build up and you have these huge set pieces where there's freaking, uh, you know, uh, planets in the background and massive ships and the fate of humanity is in the hands of these individuals and all of that just the build the uh excitement uh anticipation the music i don't know it's i like a lot of that movie but that was i think that's the most heart racing part it's a good choice man uh so yeah interstellar i would i would take a couple others from the interstellar as well but dude when Damon plays a villain, it's so much fun to watch. It's so much because he seems like he's having the best time playing a villain. And when when that turn happens in the movie, you're like, oh, my God, because it works on so many levels. The fact that 
Anne Hathaway risked the mission, the success of the risk, the existence of the world so that she could line back up again with Matt Damon because she has such feelings for him. And then having Damon become the villain and turn on them and essentially in a self, um, what a selfish, uh, approach here, try to screw them over so that he could get back home to a world that might not even exist if their mission isn't accomplished, Matt. So it's nuts on so many levels, that sequence, man. It's a nice choice. Uh, yeah, and a, a little fact or whatever that I love is Damon yeah. almost didn't take the Martian because he just shot Interstellar. <laughs> and Ridley Scott came to him and was like, I got this. And he's like, I think people might be sick of seeing me in space. In space. <laughs> I just did a space movie. I don't want to be the space movie guy. And then he read the script and he's like, I like the script, so I did it. Yeah. Space uh, and he, movie guy. And he made the, the right decision. Uh, yeah, in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but yeah, he does. He plays an excellent asshole. Yeah. Cause the audience isn't expecting. The audience doesn't want him to be an asshole. So when he is, no, it's pretty cool. He's um, Matt Damon for Christ's sakes. Matt Damon, Matt Damon. All right. What's your six? Uh, my six is probably not on your list, but uh, saving private Ryan, the D day. Oh, go ahead, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. I, I hesitated on putting it on because yeah. it, it's been on so many different lists, but I was like, eh, if we're talking about the reality of it, the people that are there at D day, uh, said it was exceedingly rare. Real yeah. rather. Um, although I watched a great, um, there's a history channel on YouTube and they have experts on to talk about movies. So huh. it's a nice little, oh, cool. Yeah. Venn diagram overlap of two things I really enjoy. Right. And there was somebody breaking down very specifically this opening sequence and where they got it wrong. Yeah. Um, but it was still, he was like, listen, but some of this is me nitpicking. They got so much of this right. Uh, <laughs> That it's, it's incredible on, on some level yeah. that they managed to shoot all of it. But, you know, storming the beaches and APC and door comes down and you just have machine gun nests perched on hillsides and cliff sides yeah. firing down at you, raining high caliber bullets of death and just picking off people all around you. I can't even fathom what that's like. I yeah. can. Thanks to the movie, I can somewhat visualize, but oh, I don't dude. even, yeah. it just, it's crazy. Yeah. Just walking into death. Well, the crazy thing for, I know for me, I remember seeing it and, and for me, what struck me was, cause I hadn't been sent over to a theater of war. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but I was still in the military. So you never know, even as a reservist, when you might be called in to, and, and so since I'd never experienced an actual battle, Watching that movie, knowing that I was still in service was scary because it was so realistic or the most realistic thing I'd ever seen in terms of the bad, the randomness of deaths, how quickly it can happen, the throwing up, the vomit, people shit in their pants. Everyone said that oh, that's all the stuff that happened. And then seeing the just the ferocity of that battle as it goes forward and the different things that happen. I mean, the guy looking around for his arm, it's been blown yeah. off. Just Those, so that, right. That kind of madness. And then it's seeing the occasional slow motion and all of that that's happening or the kind of, you know, messed up in the head from Hanks reacting to it. All of it leading to that one moment where they shoot the dude out of that turret there in, in, in the sniper that's there shoot him out using that little mirror to coming across the corner. All of it leading to that moment where they finally commented. It's one of the most incredible things anyone's ever going to witness. And those are those, and those are one of those scenes, Matt, where you wish you could remove it from your mind so you could experience it all over again yeah. for, uh, for the first time. And cause it's so, 
I remember just getting like I, I got a. I think I was crying by the end of it because of the just the the feeling of what this is actually like, and then seeing so many people die in such rain. I mean, just think about it, Matt. You're like preparing yourself, preparing yourself, and soon as the door flies, you're dead. You don't even have a chance to yeah. fight. You've spent all this time worrying about, worrying about, worrying about it and preparing yourself and what you're going to do. And you hope you live. And within seconds, you're dead. And it's like, well, what was the whole point? You know, so it's just crazy to think about, man. Yeah, it's your – the point was hopefully that wasn't in vain and we ultimately right. take of course. this objective. And if we can get this, you know, it's like, you know, as they're moving along and, you know, Tom Hanks and meets up with other commanders of different regiments. Right. And they have discussion. I think it's with – Ted Danson or maybe Giamatti is like, yeah. well, first we take this and then we take this and then it's onto this and then we get Berlin. And yeah. they know that they, they're just basically, you're crawling towards a very specific finish line, but there are <laughs> benchmarks you have to hit yeah. throughout. Like when they, they light the guy on fire, which oh. if I have to be any job it is definitely not flamethrower because one bullet and you are just a bomb. Yeah. But when they're like cease fire, save your bullets, just let them burn. <sighs> And I remember watching that going, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Sadly, we're asking people to ration at home. We're saving as much materials as we possibly can. Yeah. Let them burn. Save the bullet. Oh my God. Oh my God. Horrific. That's, yeah. You take a, in essence, like you know, Tom Hanks in that instance, a school teacher. Yeah. And you warp their mentality to thinking that is the most prudent and wise action. Right. Yeah. They, and um, they do it and they do it. Yeah. Is, because it technically makes the most sense. Yeah. Right. This is gross. That's the horrible truth of war is the logic of it. When it makes sense, it's almost more brutal than the physical action of seeing uh war, experiencing war is those mental things, the mental deals that you have to make in those situations uh and how that echoes with your life in your life afterwards, you know? So, yeah. Great choice, brother, man. Uh That was your six. Yeah. Okay. So the my number seven is the final 45 minutes of 13 assassins. You're going to take, that battle sequence, I'm going to give you this battle sequence, which is the samurai sure. film. It's awesome. Uh, it's the last 45 minutes, which is the final battle. And it is 45 minutes. As if I, I thought it was like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> the action sequence, maybe. It's so hour. long. But it start. I mean, you know, they cut, they cut off that corrupt, uh, uh Shogun's, uh, crew and the 13 assassins who have set everything up. You know, it's essentially like seven samurai. They've set all these traps up. But it's an, it is a fight sequence with the swords, but there's also action sequence of running around to the certain areas and the, and the fences mm-hmm. sliding in and out and jumping through. And of course you got that one, uh, weird guy who's kind of an animal who doesn't use the sword at all, just kind of uses whatever's naturally around him, a- adding another element to this whole battle, the anger, the crying, the, the people set on fire, the whole thing. And then you get these incredible amounts of deaths going on piece by piece as the 13 assassins start to die one by one as they're taken off, taken out loads of the Shogun's uh, soldiers and uh, and footmen and, and protectors. Also, all of it throughout. It's so well directed. It's so well choreographed. The, the score is incredible. And the emotions going through all of it are so perfectly timed that by the time you get to the end, you are so satisfied by that ending because of what happens to that Shogun that it's just so worth it to go through that incredible action sequence. Um, uh, and it's, I mean, it's just incredibly well-directed. And it's in one area, essentially, one town, essentially, yeah, it's one town. for an hour, and they make it work um, so well. So, yeah, I had to throw that one in. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was just so long. That's why I was like, I, I feel <laughs> like I scene? might be cheating. Is it a scene? Well, I mean, the Private Ryan is 25 minutes long, the opening. So yeah, but I mean, it is a distinct chapter. Yes. And, and to me, on some level, that fight is the whole movie. It's the, it's the final chapter. That's it is the final chapter, but I mean, it's kind of like the whole, it's the, what everything's been building to. And then that build is an hour long. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you're not wrong though. It's awesome. It is. All right. So then my number six is uh, the zero gravity scene from Inception. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. I love this sequence because of course they're going through the separate Inceptions here, but then, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the gravity starts to, as things start to get messed up, it starts to affect every level of this. So in your mind, you're trying to keep track of all these different things that are happening and all the different Inceptions that are going on and all the different people that are involved in this at what level of the Inception they're at and what they have to deal with. And him fighting in the zero gravity in the hotel rooms, in the hotel, rather swinging around the hallway, you know, kind of dodging those bullets and then trying to uh, wrap people up and then what that happens and tie them all together. And of course that other stuff is happening with DiCaprio. So all those different sequences, it's an incredible action sequence where so much is happening on multiple levels of the dream that I'm just like blown away by what they were able to accomplish and do. And all of it is happening just as one, one truck is falling all the way down into the water. It's just phenomenal. The choreography and the story that they're telling and also the action that gets directed throughout this whole sequence. I just, I, I can't even, um, I can't even t- I tell you how great that scene was, you know, in Inception. I feel like I need to see that movie again. Yeah. It's not your, it's not well, your gym. Um, I think a lot of people, it's one of their favorite, uh, no ones. And I haven't seen it all the way through since the theater. And I've seen it in like a half hour stretch of this 20 minute stretch of that, whatnot, but I haven't sat down to watch the entire thing since I saw it in the theater. Wow. Um, cause I thought it was good, but I didn't, I I don't know. I thought the trailer gave away too much of the interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, but that's bullshit. You know, cause it's a Nolan yes. film. So there's going to yeah. be more to it than just it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I need to go back. So that I technically wrote that down, but I was like, I can't legitimately say. <laughs> yeah. Cause you haven't. Yeah. I mean, I've watched that scene again, but in the context of the movie, I need to love the movie as a whole. If yeah. I'm going to put the action sequence in it yeah. you know, on this list. Yeah. Because otherwise something like Hobbs and Shaw makes my list. You know what I mean? And then it's just oh, like, it destroys oh, the whole thing. Oh. Uh, Kristen Smith saying, um, and the score for this scene is some groundbreaking work. Yeah. Agreed, Kristen. The score is incredible here. I think it's Zimmer who does the score for Inception. I, I yeah, it is. Who's nominated for it too. That's where that Zimmer, the bang, I think that comes from Inception. <laughs> the little hook that he now has. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're in our top five. Uh, should we take a quick break, Matt? That we should. We will see you guys back here in just one second while we hear the word from our sponsor. All right, there we go. And we are jumping into our top fives. I will begin us at five is the other technical fight sequence, okay. uh, which is the church fight in Kingsman. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm going to grab some more. Why don't you okay. uh, go ahead on this one, bro. I'll be right back. Um, I think it's an exception to the rule because of the just – 
craziness, but the grandiosity of it, it is madness. There's 50, 60, 70 people in that room all fighting to the death because, you know, Sam Jackson is, uh, turning the, the screws on that new app thing that makes people go bananas. Um, cause I thought about putting like, uh, the raid, the, uh, redemption's got a couple great fight sequences in it and, there are others there of that instance, but the number of participants and the setting was like, you know, in the raid, it's of the hallway, like old boy. There's that hallway fight scene or, uh, potentially, uh, 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 snow piercer. That one's got a lot more people and a cool setting. Um, but I think the church scene is just so open and you can kind of the way they shot it too. The choreography with all the, the fight sequences, whatnot, like there is a lot of time, effort and work put into this to try and get the seamless nature of where they're making the cuts, uh, to make it all look somewhat realistic as opposed to what you can sometimes see in fight sequences where they're quick cuts and cameras going, you know, in and out and in and out, in and out, kind of disguising the fact that maybe the actors can't do all this action and whatnot. Um, but in Kingsman, I mean, it is flawless to watch. It's a top to bottom, an amazing action sequence. And so I think of the true, just hand to hand outside of lethal weapon, given the scope and the overall, uh, nature of the scene in and of itself. I think that's why I made that exception to my rule because I, I kept off the, all the others, because I just didn't think if we're talking about action sequences, it needs to have a certain amount of scale and size to it or stakes. Um, so those are the things I was looking for. So I think the church fight scene, uh, you know, meets that criteria for me. It's such a good scene. I agree. It is. Um, so that's my five. What do you got? Okay. My five is, sorry, I was thirsty as hell. My five is uh, the opening of Casino Royale. Oh, the parkour, the parkour, parkour, parkour. That parkour scene is so damn good. What a great way to introduce the kind of bond you're going to get here with this series, right? With this mm-hmm. uh, change from the uh, Pierce Brosnan bond. You got a bond here who's coming in. He's ferocious from the opening black and white with the head through the, through the, um, uh, whatever the, the, the what do you call it? The sink and all of that. So oh. you get that idea. And then boom, you go right into this action sequence with everything that goes on and the jumping around, the fighting, all going all the way to the top of that construction thing that they're doing, the, the stunts, all of it flying through, um, the ground, running to the ground all the way through jumping out, jumping around, jumping through all this kind of stuff and then heading to that consulate and then shooting and blowing that, shooting the tanks and blowing the whole thing up. The sequence itself is so incredible and just showed you that this was not going to be the cool bond in the tuxedo driving the car or at least initially doing mm-hmm. all this. This was going to, this was going to be a more like ground based grunt bond and it was a great way to introduce him. So I love that sequence. And I think Daniel, it's one of the best sequences Daniel Craig has in the whole series, uh, in terms of action, in my opinion. So yeah. That's um, it was hard for me to. To pick one bond. So I didn't include any bonds. Fair. Fair. Cause it's like, oh, there's that the scene, the, the hand to hand scene in Skyfall with the massive, uh, LED screen or whatever, the reflecting oh, in that yeah. room. But I was like, that's hand to hand. There's right. the booby trapped house at the end. I was like, that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, and then I started going back through 
you know, uh, as much as I don't like the Pierce Brosnan errors, there's some great mm. action scenes. There's also some ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, what? Tim Dalton's got some good ones. Sure. Um, the tank thing. The tank. Yeah. The tank thing. Um, there's the, the bungee jumping on the dam. It's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I may not like the movies, but then you think about the surfing the tsunami wave in the Arctic. Like, oh, right. Uh, <laughs> It's the problem with the Pierce years for me. Well, even the, um, even Spectre, which a lot of people didn't like, I like, but a lot of people didn't like. There's that action sequence with, um, a, a swan where he's saving her and the plane is coming down to try to kill oh, yeah. him and all. Like that's a With great... Batista hot yeah, on his heels. Yeah, Madeline's. Well, which one is the one with the backhoe that's on the train? That, um, that is Spectre. Is that Spectre? As well. That's what I thought. Yeah. Fight with Batista on the train. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. I think that's good. That's a great hand to hand fight scene. Absolutely. And she's gorgeous in that dress. My God. Yeah. The base jump in the spy who loved me. Yeah. That's a great sequence, James. Yeah, there's, there's a ton to choose from. And I was like, uh, maybe that's a, a show for a different day. Our favorite bond action. Dude, sequences. the, the opening of the world is not enough. Almost made my list. I love that action sequence mm-hmm. in the opening of the world is not enough leading to him parachuting down on top of the uh, Wembley stadium that was being built. Um, all right. So what's your four, man? Uh, my number four is, uh, the battle of Helm's deep. Two oh, towers. Yeah. I had to take that one out. Go uh, ahead, man. It's, it's a nice, sequence. yeah, it's a nice mix of there's a, there's some CGI elements to it, but then there's, uh, miniatures and actual full scale sets that are made. There are tons of people going throughout and there's just a massive amount of action on different fronts going on. And I mean, it is a thing of beauty. It's still, yeah. still my favorite of the, the, the series actually. The extended editions are on uh, HBO Max. You can watch those now. Oh, nice. Okay. Did the Two Towers extended edition over three nights to fall asleep to. (laughs) I've done it before. I've watched all the extendeds over like three nights or something way, way, way back when. Um, But yeah, I figured that was long enough and I watched, you know, 30, 45 minutes and then slowly fall asleep. Well, I still have two hours. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> and then do it again and do it again until I finish out the movie. All righty then. <laughs> uh, but to watch Helm's Deep, I mean, that's what I'm gearing up for that whole time. Yeah. And still, it still has an impact. I mean, the, uh, the, <laughs> I still love the shot of the orc running in with the bomb. Oh yeah. And they don't know what gunpowder is. Right. So they're just like, what is this guy doing? You're kind of looking at him like, no one will breach these walls and then to see, cause it's, you know, it's basically this is a, uh, an allegory for World War One. Yeah. So it's just the advancement of technology and how that changes the landscape of what you assumed. And especially for fortifications yeah. in World War One, cause all these countries have built up massive fortifications saying nothing can stop us. Look at these forts. And you're like, yeah, you were used to going up against Napoleon's cannons. Well, those fuckers are dead. <laughs> Welcome to the New World Order, which is a, uh, you know, an order of magnitude beyond what you can even fathom. Watch yeah. this. <laughs> uh, and it's just that to distill that entire idea down to they have this with the, the commander. I can't remember the, the gentleman, the, the character's name, I, yeah. even though I just watched it, but he was like, no one's ever breached the walls of Helm's Deep and we have held this for countless generations. And then this just one dude running in with a bomb. Oh. But anyway, just the whole thing. It's awesome. Yeah. 
Helm's Deep is a great sequence. Uh, Christmas man, uh, give me a shit already saying Roke and not including a scene from Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, was so shocked. Yeah. I, it's not that I didn't want it. It was more a matter of like, it's, I, I guess it's weird in my, you know, it, once again, these are our own personal lists, right? Yeah. As, as much as Matt said, like 13 assassins, the whole film leads that Helm's Deep, the whole film leads to Helm's Deep. So it's like, okay, well, this is such a massive scene that I didn't want to include it because there's so much that goes on. But I totally wouldn't begrudge Matt including it because it's such a phenomenal sequence of events that go on throughout the whole thing and the great banter between everybody uh involved mm-hmm. in it and the the real dread that you sense when you're watching this um because it's at night and all that's happening and it yeah just, with the rain and the uh, rain right exactly but it's my favorite uh extended moment of the whole series is Thumbs Deep that's my favorite that end fight is so. Ugh. For Frodo, oh, just doesn't do a damn thing for me. But that Elm's Deep, that's fucking awesome. So that's what I would say. (sighs) No offense. All right, well, what do you got at four? At four, I have Heat. The fight, the uh, Uh, shootout. Shootout? Yeah. Sure. Oh, my God, I love that shootout. So good. I don't know if you've seen Heat, uh, but it's a damn good movie. (laughs) I don't like De Niro or Val Kilmer or Ashley Judd. Or Pacino. Man sucks, Pacino. I'm a big Hank Azaria fan. Hey, uh, you're a big McKelty fan. McKelty Williamson, that's your guy. Um, John no, Voight, just, huh? What is it? John Voight, yeah, John Voight, right? Well, yeah, but more so personally, what he stands for. I'm of a course, big Voight definitely, fan. definitely. The man knows what he's talking about. He's tuned in. He's he's tapped into what's really going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Him and Kevin Sorbo, I think. Get uh, it. <laughs> Uh, I think someone cut his hair that's way, Hercules. Anyway, this whole sequence is great. I mean, just absolutely great. Um, because, you know, you've been kind of leading to this. At what point are they finally going to catch him? And then, you know, him bringing in, uh, Dennis Haysbert to replace, uh, um, Danny Trejo who can't drive because of he's being tailed. And so boom, he comes into this whole sequence and everything that happens from here. The shootout, the running, the grabbing certain hostages, everything kind of leading to this sequence by the end where they kind of go to Jeremy. They end up at Jeremy Piven's uh, doctor's place and he replaces the shirt and uh, has that whole exchange. about I don't give a shit if your daughter gave it to you. Give me the goddamn shirt. You know, everything leads to that. Um, and Sizemore getting taken out and uh, Chris getting shot and all of that just is so well done and choreographed throughout the whole Mm-hmm. Um, area of downtown LA. So for me, it's just one of my favorite ones to go back and watch over and over and over again. Just the choreography and the timing and the way it's edited and the way it's shot and the score, just all of it works so well. And the acting, of course, all yeah. of it works so well. Yeah. The realism. This is yeah. what I assume a shootout like this would look like. Yeah. Right. The, As opposed to like firing at random cars and they explode and all that. Like, yeah. no, nah, this is, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I, I just, as much as I made an exception for Private Ryan, is like, well, we've talked heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair I'll enough. put something different on. All right. What's your three? Uh, my number three is the plane sequence in Dark Knight Rises. That's my number two. Is impossible not to. Dude. I think, so, I don't know if you have any other superhero on. I do not. No. Me either. Yeah. Uh, just because they're so CGI laden. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas... That plane, that's real. Mm-hmm. They made all of this. This is happening, and the spectacle of it, it just has that much more of an impact. Yeah, knowing full well that they had to spend a ton of time 
figuring out the logistics of how they're going to pull this off and then manufacturing all the different planes. Yeah. Uh, cause like uh, the plane that they, you know, capsize, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's made out of a very thin wood. They created it for just because otherwise it'd been impossible to do this. Yeah. But it's all like real individuals in the middle of this flying through the air. Like it's crazy the amounts of, of effort that went into pulling off a stunt. And it is nothing short of just jaw dropping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a thousand percent know, agree with you. Man. It's still that that was the teaser scene they released before the movie. That you can mm. see in theaters, you know, like they did with First Man and they did, you know, every once in a while they do it with movies. And I think it still had an impact upon seeing the movie for the first time, but it didn't oh, yeah. degrade that experience for me. Yeah. 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 I agree with you 100%, man. I mean, this, I, I you know, people might not like this movie and I, and I get why some people might. I, I love it. I enjoy it. I think it's a great uh, capper to the trilogy. Are there some, are there some scenes in the film that don't 100% work or aren't as Matt has pointed out numerous times? The Wall Street scene, not believable. Sure, I guess, but like overall, uh, Bane, I, I love Bane as a villain in this movie and Tom Hardy brings such a, a ferocity to that character. The scene when he's beating him up, uh, the first time you see Kristen Bale's utter desperateness that he cannot beat this guy. And his greatest fear has finally come to visit him that he has met a foe he cannot overcome and what that does to him and then what it leads to and the whole sequence and the thing when he's climbing out, all of it, badass. But this opening just is, it's like the, the, um, private Ryan opening. It's like the rest of the movie has to live up to this opening. It's so that's the, that's the danger of a great opening. It's like true. The rest of the movie doesn't live up to it. It's kind of judged. In, in, uh, in, uh, deficit to, uh, to the start. And so this whole start, just the way he, and the people who are sacrificed without knowing they're being sacrificed. I mean, it's almost a little bit of a 9-11 situation when you read about what happened there. Some of those guys didn't know that they, that this were, these were suicide missions. Apparently some of them didn't yeah, know. They didn't know. Yeah. They're going to be fodder for the cause. Exactly. And so like that whole sequence there when he's telling the dude, you got to stay. Yeah. So you have to. They're stay expecting here. three bodies or whatever it is. Right, brother. Yeah, brother. <laughs> the changing of the blood, all of it, just great yeah. to see. As they're all being yeah. suspended down, yeah. it just is is beautiful. I wish the movie was as good as that opening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for me. Um, I can understand that for sure. Ah, it's got a lot of parts that just don't make a lick of fucking sense. But. <laughs> Even for a superhero movie. So save it, Kristen. Yeah, save it, Kristen. I love it. Kristen, uh, this could be the first one that she's shown up for. She's yeah. making up for lost time. I appreciate that. Good for you. Nah, fire away. I love it. She got good comments in here. Um, um, all right. So then my three is the uh, Matrix Reloaded scene. Oh, on the cars? Yeah, the, the freeway, freeway chasing. Scene. The Go freeway chasing is just so good, dude. I mean, so good. I mean, even more so now after having seen Revolutions, you really appreciate what they were able to do, even in films that weren't necessarily considered good, like Reloaded and Revolutions. Sorry, I still enjoy the high, high, highway scene in Reloaded, and I enjoy the battle scene in Revolutions. How they get there is a whole separate conversation, but the battle scene itself is fucking badass. But this highway scene, the, the, the staging of it all with Neo, with Trinity, with, uh, the Keymaster, with, uh, with, um, um, uh, Morpheus, and then the two twins, the ghost twins, 
all of that motorcycle stuff spinning around everything and then leading to those two 18 wheelers crashing into each other as they fly. And Neo comes in and saves them. I mean, it's just so fucking bad. I mean, the, the samurai fight scene on top with one of the agents and Morpheus, the tie situation, the swords, all of it just works so well in building up the tension and the music, of course, through all throughout pulsating throughout yeah. is just great. So for me, that's, that scene is always going to live very strongly in my mind. Um, because it's just, just an incredible feat to pull off, honestly. So yeah, I thought about doing the, the hotel lobby scene from the first one. Oh yeah. That's great too. Yeah. yeah. Um, it didn't have as large a spectacle as a bunch of the others. Right. Right. So even though I've got the church fight scene with, from, uh, Kingsman, but at least mm-hmm. there's 60, 70 people on that one all fighting simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So the distinction I made, but yeah, no, it's an excellent scene. Mm-hmm. I just think I, I don't enjoy the movie overall, so it's yeah. tough for me to include the scene. Understood. Kirsten said she also picked the highway scene, but the rooftop scene in the first movie could easily have been up there. So freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The bullet time. Yep. Yep. All of it. And leading to the helicopter. All of it. Just so good. Um, all right. Where are we at? Your two? Uh, yeah. My two is, uh, the diehard roof explosion. Oh, great choice, dude. Cause uh, I thought. That was possible when I was a kid. Yeah. Great. For the longest time, I believed that shit. Yeah. And just to see him, he wraps himself in the fire hose and then jumps off the side. This was the first scene that I thought of when we agreed to do this list. (laughs) And I was like, well, the diehard scene is making my, it was number one for a long time. And then I, it got supplanted. Right. Uh, But I just love that scene. It still carries with me. And like I just said, the, it was the very first thing I thought of. Yeah. So it was going to make it, but uh, it doesn't have the size and spectacle and scale of a ton of other things on this list, but because it was the first thing and it's unique. Yeah. I can't think of another movie that has anything that does it afterwards. is kind of paying homage to that at this point, to me at least. Yeah. No, uh, no, that no. could have been stealing it from something else, but I don't know what that other thing is. Mm. Um, so it makes my number two and okay. uh, there it is. All right. And there it is. So what's your number one then? Uh, my number one is the, uh, uh, from Fury Road. Yeah. Uh, the cyclone, the chase, but mainly that section with the cyclone is breathtaking. Yes. Yes. I still remember the feeling that I had watching it in the theater and it still has that effect to some degree. Like you said earlier, mm-hmm. I kind of wish, you know, you could wipe your mind of the saving yeah. private Ryan. Yeah. I wish I could because the beauty of it is breathtaking to behold. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I put Mad Max Fury Road, the scene where she's escaping. The whole chase scene there is incredible, which is the, the cloud. Yeah. The guitarist and, um, Nicholas Holt going crazy, spraying his teeth and driving out there going after him. Such a great sequence. And I remember seeing the sequence, um, at Hall H when they had it at the big screen during Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I remember we, we got in. Through a friend of ours, uh, who had a, a connection with a security guard, we got in, we were lucky, we got seats just as they were playing like, uh, eight, n- ten minutes of that sequence. And you, and I, I was just, my jaw was on the ground because I was, I was, you know, you come back after all these years to do a Mad Max movie, movie. Yeah. And you take advantage of the technology. You take advantage of what can be done. And George Miller did such an excellent job of taking advantage of that technology and completely blowing away 
anything he'd done before. And that end sequence of Road Warrior is still one of the greatest car chase sequences ever. And he just destroyed that by so many levels in his, in this sequence. You could even argue the last sequence, the, the when they're coming back is a mm. fucking awesome uh, car chase or. Oh, it is. It's great. Yeah, but it that, just doesn't have the all the vivid colors coming yeah. to life in the yeah. midst of like it. It's almost like the the rose itself and everything else are the thorns. Yeah, and you yeah. can still see the beauty in the midst of all this chaos and right. destruction. Yeah, because you and then you see those guys like on those little on those uh, things the leaning in. thingies. Yeah, those, yeah, that's so awesome. Those are real guys doing those stunts, by the way. <laughs> crazy it's nuts and the whole time your lead character is tied to the front of one of those trucks so it's even more genius that that is going on throughout that whole sequence so just a great great uh um uh, action sequence it just takes your breath away as matt said and you never forget it once you watch it you just never forget it man it's got the impact it's it's so good yeah that I don't mind telling people that hate action movies. You may hate action movies, but trust me, this thing is something different. Yeah. 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 Uh, you may not like it in its entirety, but you're going to love certain, certain sequences. Yeah. Guaranteed. Very, very true. Um, all right. Well, there we go. This is our, uh, that was our separate, uh, lists there for the top 10 action movie sequences. We're going to put these lists together and give you the official top 10 list. I'm going to grab the bongos out of the closet and I'll be right back. All right, so one is easy enough. Fury Road. Car Chase. Tornado is what I wrote down. I would probably say Dark Knight Rises. And after that, we we now have, we have, so we only have three movies in common. Okay. One and two are done. Fury Road being both of our number ones. And then Dark Knight Rises, the plane sequence. Yep. Makes sense. So those are one, two. And then we have Fallout as an eight, nine. So we should probably hold on to that. I agree. I agree. So uh, my number two is Die Hard. Mine is the Dark the plane. Oh, so that goes on there because mine was the plane, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So that is number two. Mm Mm-hmm. On our official list. Um, all right. So what's your number three? The Matrix Reloaded, the freeway chasing. Okay. And then we both have our fours, four, five, six, right. seven, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Let's do it. Got a coin. Now, do we want to flip on every one of these or do we want to just say, all right, you if know you what? win four, then I win automatically by default five. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. To I'm, save I'm us cool. from flipping a coin every three seconds? That saves fair. Okay, so we have the Batman Superman coin. Oh, great, the weighted coin. I love it. I can I can find a regular quarter if you really Why want. Why change now? Why change now? Just flip the damn thing. <laughs> well, the universe heard you complaining and it's rewarding oh! you. Thank you. Heat. Heat is my number four, so that goes there. Just you know, okay. warming them up. All right, so. All right, so that's one through six done. We have seven, eight, nine, and ten. Do you want to do Fallout here? 
Yeah, sure. At seven, that's fine with me. So, okay, so then my five would be Kingsman. Okay. What's your five? Casino Royale, the opening Casino Royale. So where are we at now? What number we are we at? We have one spot left. Ooh. I, it's both of our sixes. Yeah. Mine so is I'll flip Inception. the coin again. What's yours? Uh, mine is uh, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Oh, boy. So I'm flipping the coin again. Oh, boy. To the winner goes the spoils. Oh, boy. I don't want him to lose that Private Ryan. That could be a shit. That could be a tough situation. <laughs> Spielbago would be happy. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, that seems fair. 50-50. That seems fair. All right. All right. We are done. Let's do it. Our top 10 action movie sequences. Yeah. At number 10. Saving Private Ryan's opening. At number nine. Mm, Casino Royale's opening. At number eight. A Kingsman church fight scene. At number seven. Mission Impossible Fallout, the helicopter scene. At number six. The Two Towers, Helm's Deep. At number five. Heat, downtown LA shootout. Have you seen it? At number four. The Matrix Reloaded, the freeway chase scene. At number three. Die Hard's roof explosion. At number two. The Dark Knight Rises plane heist. And our number one action movie sequence is... This is Fury Road, or Mad Max Fury Road, car chase into the tornado scene. Yeah. Boom, done. Nice list. Nice. Hopefully, there are 500 entries that we could have uh, chosen. So many. But uh, we thought we'd have some fun breaking these things down. And relating it to, uh, to Uncharted, which is coming out. I just got my invite for that to go see it in IMAX down here in San Diego. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I hope it's good. God damn it. Um, all right, Matt. Uh, what do we have to tell people here as we wrap up? Um, well, hopefully Uncharted has, you know, some sort of entry that would make this list <laughs> and it's a good movie. Who knows? It's a video game film. So we shall see. We shall see. We shall see but, uh, Mark Wahlberg doesn't have the best track record to me, so <laughs> only time will tell. Only time oh, will man, tell. You say, man. You know, come Plus, uh, Sully uh, is an older guy in the uh, video yes. games. I think it works better, uh, personally, but that's just me. I, I've i only played all, all of them, but, you know, who am I? <laughs> wow. The I can play. Well, there's, there's like an addition pack. I played one, two, three, and four, but then there's like some a side Anyway, Smuggler or something or other. I can't remember. Never played. Passive, the passive aggression is strong here. Look Hopefully up. it's good. Uh, but you can follow the show on Twitter at Top Ten Show. All spelled out. It's on the screen there right above my head. Otherwise, on YouTube and Instagram, it is forward slash The Top Ten Podcast. And if you'd like to join us live, head over to Patreon.com forward slash The Top Ten with the number 10. And uh, you can follow me at Matt Nose. Check out... Uh, one of my two other shows, it's, uh, Settle the Score. It's a movie music trivia show mm-hmm. that, uh, John and the, uh, the nerd dudes are coming back on in a few weeks. Nerd dudes. I kind of like that. You, you like know? nerd dudes more than it's nerd It's got a great ring to it. Okay, no nerd. way is that clunky to say. 
Uh, well, yeah, check that out. Uh, otherwise, uh, basketball talk, uh, dropping dimes, and you can find those anywhere you get podcasts. And that's it for me this week. There you go. And you can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok. Just putting up some uh, interviews and reviews on TikTok. Nothing crazy, no dances or nothing. Just doing that. And uh, follow me in the Outlaw Nation on Twitch. I'll be doing a watch along of the Super Bowl, like I've been doing the watch along of all the playoff games. Uh, over the last few weeks. So if you want to hang out with me and watch the Super Bowl on Sunday, I will be doing that. We'll watch the commercials, the whole nine. I'll come and hang out. Oh, wait, no, this is going to drop on Tuesday. So you can go back and watch it on Twitch if you want. Never mind. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> if you want this for the live people, if you want to come join me, you can. Um, and, uh, what else? Oh yeah. And my other podcast, the cinephiles and the geek buddies out there for you to enjoy my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca says, and yeah, don't forget to subscribe down below want to build up our numbers and have some fun there all right you guys are awesome thanks so much for joining us for those of you who joined us alive and uh for those of you who are listening later thank you very much for uh, going along and staying along our top 10 train you guys are awesome we'll talk to you next time with a brand new episode here from the top 10 Ooh.